Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows, keep up with the latest breaking news and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at Talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. I tell you, there's a lot going on around the country, specifically Charlottesville, Virginia. You know, personally, I think there's nothing but a bunch of spoiled little rich kids that have nothing better to do that just need a little spanking. That's what we need to do in this country. We need to start taking these kids, wrapping them around your legs, and just giving them a good old spanking. Because that crap needs to come to a stop. Also, Code Next, the style, you know, this style of, uh, of actually zoning that's taking place around the country is causing a little stir. A lot of people are kind of upset with Code Next uh, type of zoning because it's condensing. We're talking about moving a bunch of people together in small little places. What if I like my backyard? What if I, what if I like my neighborhood and the way that picture looks when I drive down my street? I like that, you know, I have a front yard and my neighbors have a front yard. My neighbor's neighbors have a front yard and they have a backyard. I like that, that, that picture that it, you know, that it portrays a neighborhood. And we move these code next style zoning into the neighborhoods. It's going to change the outlook of the city. So we're going to talk about that. We're talking about Charlottesville, Virginia. What do you think about Charlottesville and what's happening there? What is the problem here? What's going on in this country? What's happening? Let me know what your thoughts are. And we got a, you know, we got a lot of people sitting in the studio today, and we're going to talk about that. I have Dave Sullivan. He's with the University of Texas, but he's not here in that capacity. He's here to talk about Code Next, and he's actually used to be on the advisory group for Code Next. So he's going to talk to us about that. Also, I have David King. He's a member, used to be currently, currently a member of the Zoning and Platting Committee. And also we have Stephanie Trin sitting in the background there, and she's also a member of the Zoning and Platting Committee. 
And so we're going to talk about code next, going to break that down and how that's going to affect you uh, in Austin, Texas, and also how it's affecting communities around the entire country, because other communities in this in this country have actually they've done this type of zoning. And I want to know, how is it working out for them? How is it affecting crime? Has crime increased because we're condensing, moving people closer together? Are we trying to indoctrinate people to move closer together so we can force them into public transportation? Those are the things I want to talk to talk about. But we're going to find out first what exactly is code next. So let me go to Dave Sullivan. Uh, He's on the advisory group for Code Next. So, Dave, tell us, what is Code Next? Well, Michael, thank you for having us here today. Uh, and uh, let me thank you also personally for your service to our country. I know that you are a military veteran, and uh, we all owe you respect for that. Um, Code Next is uh, a project that's been underway now for a few years. All large cities in Texas and most cities in America have something that's called a land development code. It's a set of rules that have to do with what you can do with your land in terms of how tall can buildings be, how much land can be covered by uh, pavement or the building that's called impervious cover. Uh, what are there landscaping requirements? Where do we have apartments? Where do we have retail? Where do we have office? So all of these things in our built environment within cities are covered by sets of rules called land development codes. We did one in the 1980s. And that's our current land development code, although it's been amended many, many times since then. And now we're going through a nearly complete rewrite of it, uh, uh, coming off of having completed a comprehensive plan in 2012. So in 2012, we put together uh, a lot of uh, citizens together to come up with a vision for the city of how we wanted to grow over the next 30 years. And now Code Next is part of the implementation of that uh, vision. All right, so let me bring Dave King in on the conversation, uh, a member of the Zoning and Platting Committee. So, Dave, uh, what's your take on Code Next? What is that for us? Well, uh, I think Dave described it very well. And, uh, you know, um, we, the Code Next is a work in progress, so we're, we're still working on it. And we've got the first draft of the, the code, the text of the code, which are basically the rules, and then the zoning map, which says where those rules will be applied throughout the city. So uh, we're working on draft two of those of the code text and the maps. So the the jury is still out and uh, on on what the final version will look like. And there's uh, you know been a lot of input from around the city into uh, those the the text and and the map. And um, so I, I think that uh, we still need more input, particularly from East Austin, uh, where we're you know we're not seeing that much input. And 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 I think the city needs to work harder in getting input from East Austin and be more deliberate in making sure that all voices are heard. This is our opportunity to get that input because decisions will be made. And once that zoning is, is applied, it's hard to, to turn back. It's, it's going to be in place for decades to come. And a lot of people are concerned about, uh, they're looking at this as a thing of people moving in from California, New York, and other places like that and bringing their ideas of where they live in their state here in Texas, you know, because you know, in Texas, we're used to having, you know, big things, big lawns, big yards, you know, having a big house. You know, we like big things. We like our, our truck, our pickup truck. We like our SUVs. Uh, but they're trying to condense us and make us live in this little small little neighborhood, live in this little box and change our code and our zoning in our neighborhood. Um, and, and the people that live here in East Austin 
everyone that I've talked to, they don't want this type of zoning. They like their neighborhood. They like the way that picture is looking. Dave King. Well, I, I think that's a very important point. And, you know, the the there are different perspectives on density, of course. One, one of the current concerns that I have about density is is how it's applied. If it's applied in, in a, a broad brushstroke in large areas of the city, like, you know, in, in the urban core, for example, that's a pretty large area of our city. So I have a concern about applying density that broadly. I think if it's more discreetly done in like around the activity centers that are in Imagine Austin and uh, some along our corridors, our transit corridors. But when we start talking about these transition zones that, that uh, go into our neighborhoods a quarter of a mile, then that's where I'm very concerned about losing that uh, look and that you talked about of neighborhoods that, that what, what neighborhoods like and what they would like to keep. And, and so I share your concern. All right. And then a lot of people are saying, you know, this is kind of like Agenda 21. What's your take on that? I, I love Sullivan? to hear you say that, Michael, because in the 16 years on which this is Dave Sullivan. I was on the Planning Commission for 16 years. I remember hearing about this thing called Agenda 21 years ago. I have never, ever in any city meeting, and I've been to hundreds of city meetings over thousands of hours, heard anyone mention Agenda 21. Of course not. It is when they want to screw you, they're not going to give you all the stuff with it. It is a fabrication. Okay. And that's being polite in what I say about that. That's a whole lot of lipping and labbing and slipping and slabbing and jigging and jabbing, but I definitely doubt it. Well, show me the evidence. People people concerned about things like this need to come up with evidence. Evidence. Olivia. Well, I mean, first of all, Besides the Agenda 21 thing, I just want to go back a little bit. When we're talking about East Austin, I mean, who in this room knows what Imagine Austin is besides Dave Sullivan? Imagine in whose eyes? I like that word. Imagine Austin. Imagine we were in California. Imagine we're in New York. Is that what we're saying? I mean, I don't. That's a cold word. I don't know. I just just got my Imagine Austin copy from... um, a print copy, and um, I've never heard of it. I'm pretty actively involved in Austin, and... and, uh, or in Austin politics. So beyond talking about the outreach in East Austin, which hasn't been done, and we are bringing the mayor out to East Austin to hopefully get some of this whittled down, I know that the city says they've done outreach in East Austin, but it's not been proven. And Code Next did release their map of of who responded to their commentary. And the East Austin side was looking a little thin, a little thin. Because the people from East Austin are not, you're saying they're not coming out. They're not letting their voice be heard. Nobody knew about Code Next in East Austin, and I've literally been. Because it doesn't take a rocket science to understand not. what these people want. I know. It's not. I, I, exactly. I go to the restaurants. I go to the bars. Right. I, 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 I live on in East Austin, so I know and what the people of East Austin what, want or don't what's want. What's your district? I'm in District 1. District 1, right. I'm in District 1. I live in East Austin. I lived there for 20 years. I know what the people in East Austin want. They love their neighborhood. They don't want it to change. They don't want these high-rises in their neighborhood. They don't want you to put a high-rise there and then put little shops down at the bottom. But we have all these people that are telling me this is the way to go. This is is the best way. This is what you should have. And did you know about Code Next until I told you? I knew about Code Next, but I didn't know exactly what it was in the detail until we started talking about it. And did you know about Imagine Austin? Yes. (laughs) 
Yes. And so, so, so did you go any Code Next meetings in District 1? No. I never were, attended were any meetings Were you personally invited to any Code Next meetings by... No. They don't want me to attend any meetings that have anything to do happened? with planning Let's in this city. Let's talk about what happened at a meeting we went to. I'm right. just kidding. Uh, so, I mean, really, you know, the city keeps saying, well, we did our outreach. We did our outreach. And the studies have shown and the data has shown is, no, they haven't. They haven't. And it's up to citizens like myself to go door to door to door to door and go to meetings and go to restaurants and hang out and at least talk to people about and tell them that this is what's going on and dave has been brave enough to go with me and hang out in some of these places and and to get him to kind of describe some of the things that are going on and he's heard a lot of concerns from the citizens but it's still not making it back to city council and i did discuss that with the mayor at a meeting at bolden creek and um they just swear up and down i mean the code next consultants say that they did their outreach and they didn't and and it's obvious when we talk about it anywhere on the east side that people don't know what we're talking about and that's a really really scary so it's not too far off base from agenda 21 i mean if anybody looks up agenda 21 and you turn off the volume um you can see like conceptually it maybe it is a little bit of like getting the minor- minorities out i mean living in tall stacked buildings is eurocentric we've done the studies on that we've seen that does not work for minority populaces it doesn't work and the idea that these high density units that are stacked and they have shops at the bottom vmus have never worked in the city of austin there's no data proving they've worked those shops often go out of business within one year that puts shop owners in debt for the rest of their lives they file bankruptcy you're supposed to be able to work at the bottom floor live at the top floor and that's never been consistent austin has not been successful with any of these planning methods since inception Dave Sullivan. So everything that I have heard people complain about over the last five minutes has, has happened under our existing land development code, not code next. How is that going to affect us when code next goes into effect? Well, it's up to you. We, we're still looking for outreach. And also, I, I did talk to myself. This is just my personal but we're talking about, about density, about- correct? We're talking about Chicago-style living. No, We're talking about no. living in the high-rise and conditioning wrong, and taking Michael public transportation. Why am I wrong? I'm here. Look, I'm from Missouri. To show me, throw some show me while I'm wrong. Okay. I'm going to throw some numbers at you, so get ready to duck. Let's go. Density. Go. Antarctica. 0.001 persons per square mile. Son, uh, excuse Texas. me, Dave Sullivan. Texas. I don't want to live in Antarctica. Texas, 104 persons per square mile. What's Austin. San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, all have around 3,500 citizens per square mile. How's that mile. working out for their crime? Is it increasing? Detroit. Yes, it has is. 5,000 Are you serious right now? Are you really going to quote mile. Detroit, Michigan to me? New York City. Are you City, serious? New York New, City. Are you out of your mind? New York City has 75,000 persons per square You're going to tell me about New York City and Detroit and those no places? Crime is awful. Which has... 300,000 people per square mile. So when you talk about density, you have to be specific. What do you care about? If you just want single-family housing, do you want to have a few apartments? Do you want to have large apartments? That's what we're asking the citizens of Austin, and that's why... We're, we're not where people are exaggerating things about density. Here's what the people in Austin want now. They want what they have right now. They don't want it to change. Correct. They don't want to live in New York, in Detroit, Michigan. They don't, have to. They don't want to live in Houston, Texas. They don't, have to. they don't want to live in Chicago. They want to live in Austin, Texas. Right. And Michael, as I told you last time I was here, Code Next is more about giving people choices. 
You cannot paint, use a paintbrush and say that everybody in Austin wants to live the same way. Right now, when builders build things, they either build detached single-family homes or 300-unit apartment complexes. Very few builders are building things anywhere in the middle of that. So if you go to some of the neighborhoods that have more diversity within them, you'll find that there are some, like, 20-unit apartment buildings that are one-story high or two-story high. Uh, they're not, we're not packing people in in that, those uh, buildings. They're for young people or uh, young couples that don't have kids, and they might live there for a few years before they move on to live in a house. So we're not, it's not like putting anybody in a cage or putting somebody in prison. I think about these things as transitional. And the same thing with garage apartments. You don't have to live in one of those. It's a choice if you want to save money. You've just become divorced. You've just graduated from college. You've just moved here. Uh, you've just uh, become a widow. Um, it's a place where you can live during a transition. So Code Next and a lot of these things we're looking at, we're trying to expand the choices that people have not make major changes. All right, so we're talking about Code Next. We're talking about Charlottesville, Virginia. We're talking about spoiled little rich kids that just need a little spanking. Uh, this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk. Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Thanks for making the right choice. I don't know where I would get the truth if it weren't for you. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. And we're back and we're talking about Code Next. We're talking about Charlottesville, Virginia. You know, that's just my take on it. Spoiled little rich kids that don't have anything better to do with their time than go out there protesting and, and destroying property. You know what you need? You need a good spanking. This crap needs to stop. I don't care what's going on. And don't blame it on the president. Don't blame it on anything else. This, you're just being irresponsible. Go home. Parents need to go home and just grab their kids and yank their butts to the house and give them a good spanking. Look, cross, just right across the knee. Just shut it all down. I need, I need moms. Moms, just going out there and just grab your kids and yank them back to the house because this needs to stop. All right, now we're talking about Code Next also. Code Next, these style rules are going around the country. So, um, you know, Habitat for Humanity. I got a big beef with Habitat for Humanity. Real huge beef because that organization there, they're, they're supposed to, you know, help someone build a house or whatever and, and get on their feet and help them out. But when I look at the numbers for Habitat for Humanity, what I'm seeing is a large portion of these homes are getting foreclosed on. I don't know what's happening with that or, or how that's even taking place. But when that does happen, that home gets foreclosed on what they're doing. Pay attention, people. This is real. They're taking those homes after they foreclose them and they're selling them to a developer or to someone else. They're flipping homes, people. This is a scam. This is not Alex Jones style trying to scare you. This is what it is. This is the real deal here. Pay attention. Open your eyes because it's happening right here in Austin. They're flipping properties, and it's right under your nose. 
Speaking of, um, you know, one of the things that that my good friend Stephanie Trent, who happens to be in the room and I always talk about, is that Austin and Code Next really doesn't address renters. And those of us who are renters, I mean, that gap is, you know, Habitat saying, oh, we're going to have affordable housing. I don't want to buy a house in Austin because, A, floodplains, your foundation's going to crack. All kinds of things are going to happen. If I'm already in a Habitat house and my AC goes out and I'm already not within the uh, earning level, it's going to put me in deeper poverty gaps. And so we want to talk about renting versus building houses that people are supposed to buy. Like, why can't we just rent like normal people? And let me bring into the conversation David King. He's a member of the Zoning and Platting Committee. Yes, you know, I just wanted to to follow up uh, on the question about density and code next and you know we've got this concept called transects transect zoning and really that's a that's a strategy to allow for more density uh, in in neighborhoods and and the first map that was rolled out um, had applied those transect districts broadly through urban core neighborhoods and so i do think that there is a there is a strategy to increase density and you know there are consequences with density there are uh, folks like Stephen Pertigo and Richard Florida, who are proponents of of um, density, and, and and now we're having to look back at that and say it's you know it's got some downsides. They're seeing where they apply these these policies of density, high high uh, levels of density, that they they do push low income families out and families of color out of our neighborhoods. We lose diversity, and and it's expensive when you densify uh, a neighborhood. It's an already developed neighborhood, an older neighborhood. Then you have to tear out the infrastructure and rebuild it. And then when you say you want density to be in a confined area, that in and of itself raises the land prices drastically. So when you couple the land price increases with the cost of infrastructure, then really you have to be high income to even live in the smaller, denser neighborhoods. And Mm. that's a concern. So you have to be careful about, and that's what I talk about, a broad policy of applying density in a broad area and, and, you know, uh, in very high-density situations. And see, I got a guy here that's saying that, hey, he moved to California from Austin, Texas, because he says, I can't afford to Mm. live in Austin on my own because developers and investors have jacked up the housing prices so much. Ouch. Let me go to my studio guest. Before I go to my studio guest here, I call in numbers 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. What you got? You want to say something earlier? He's like, no, nah, I don't want to say anything oh, now. Can't got my tongue. Nah, what you got to say? Oh, well, I'd like to, I'm sorry, what was your name again, sir? David. David, yes, he brought up a lot of good points about densification, uh, densifying neighbor, older neighborhoods. My grandmother, who's lived in the neighborhood in East Austin since the mid-50s, bought mm. her house for $30,000 mm. back in the day. And uh, now it's 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 worth, what, almost $300,000, right? But along the course of the way, those prices were increasing, those land property prices were increasing. Uh, the one thing that California did right was they had that no inheritance tax, right? So a uh, father can give a, a son a house and there's no inheritance tax. Where in Austin, that's not the case. We don't have that going on for us. So if my grandmother wants to sell that house to her two sons, uh, my father, then uh, they're going to have to pay a huge, huge tax. Mm. Probably won't be able to afford it, lose mm. that house to mm. someone that can't afford it. And, and, and thus, um, you know, relocating a Hispanic family. So now what we got to do is we got to keep grandma on ice in the back grandma, bedroom. don't die, grandma. Exactly, in the back bedroom <laughs> and just don't lie die. about it. Don't die, grandma. That's, don't that's, die, grandma. I mean, that's what we force some people to do here. Dave Sullivan? Uh, well, let me <clears throat> point out the difference between zoning mm-hmm. and what is actually out there. Okay. Zoning says what you are allowed to do. It doesn't necessarily reflect 
what's on the ground. So, for example, in East Austin, there are many properties that had single-family homes that had been zoned industrial for many, many, many years. They weren't used for industrial. They were single-family homes. I myself live in property that's zoned multifamily three, but we just have a single-family house. Back years ago, the city planned to build an expressway through our neighborhood, and all the properties were rezoned to multifamily. But they stayed single-family. So just because zoning changes, that does not necessarily mean that the character of the neighborhood changes. Uh, And then with Code Next and with the first round of zoning, I agree with David King that they were too aggressive in the application of what's called Transect 4. I put that in my recommendations uh, when we passed on our final report. And then with regard to outreach in East Austin, we put that in our final report that that the Code Next advisory group agreed that we had not stepped up enough in terms of the outreach that we did all over the city, even though we tried. Enough, but we like ex- not at all. We ex- we tried, and we, but we, and I could, if when you look at our final report, look at what we said about that and see if you agree that we tried, but we didn't go, we didn't, we were not effective. All right, there's a lot of bobbing and weaving there. It's time to do a knockout. I'm about to, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Who reviewed the final report and said, let's go to phase two, knowing you didn't do outreach? Mm. Who made that call? I want names. If it was the advisory board, we need to make sure the mayor knows, knowing they didn't do the right amount of outreach, and they pushed through to phase two. That is not okay. You're in my safe space. Number two. (laughs) Who in this room, other than the three people that know who know who knows what transect zones are? Should I have. don't. I don't. Okay, they're so away, though. They're not in the second part. nobody even knows what you're talking about. Y'all are on. We are on air. Stephanie, we don't. Can Stephanie Tran tell me what Tran? Please give Stephanie the mic. Stephanie, uh, who's also a member of the zoning and platting committee for Austin, Stephanie. Transect zones are are trying to implement what's called form-based zoning. And so currently in the land use, in the land development code, we have zoning that regulates um, by use. So you can have a single-family house here. You can have a multifamily property here. You can have uh, commercial uses here. Uh, The idea of form-based zoning is more regulating the form first. So maybe this right here should have a two-story building. And here we can have a five-story building. Um, and so the idea with transect zones is that we can kind of step back from a, from a higher transect zone that has more a bigger building and more density and stepping down into lower density. And that's the, I think, the transition in the transect zones. All right. Still, nobody knows what you're talking about. All right, go ahead, David. Uh, David King. Yes. Um, oh, he's. You, oh, oh you sorry. The so, and, well, you know, Dave made a, an interesting point there about uh, that they're going away in the next next draft, but. Really, what's going away is the name transect zone. They're going to be, they're mm. still going to be the concept of, as Stephanie described, form based zoning, uh, but they're going to be called a different name. So the name will change, but really, we're going to have those form based zoning districts still, uh, you know, in and what the is code. that name for the code? They they have they nomenclature, name, nomenclature is just mm. is being worked on. I'm not sure what something. the final version is, but uh, they're. They're going to change it so so that it looks like we have fewer new zoning districts, but really it's not going to be fewer. It's just going to be they're going to categorize them together in fewer categories. So if transect zone, if that whole phrase is going to go away, are minorities going to go away in the second draft? Mm. 
Anyone? Is no? Okay. So, because we shouldn't have gotten to the second draft if Code Next Advisory Board did their outreach and got the data and realized no one on the east side still actively knows what we're talking about. It should have stopped there. Somebody should have raised the red flag and said, sorry, whoever got hired to do outreach, we got to start over because it can't just be Olivia on the east side, door to door at midnight at every church, at every restaurant. It can't. Y'all don't pay me to do it. And How, we may think she's working the streets and we don't want to think that. Think I work. I've been pulled over twice for looking like a hooker. And, so, and I shouldn't have to do this just to talk about code next, but whatever we can do to get the east side involved we need to do we shouldn't have gone to the second draft without doing it and i'm tired of people saying well it's just the first draft don't worry i am worried because y'all let the first draft go through without taking one drop of input from the minority database in the east side not to mention north runberg but we've got a ton of data from west and central austin and ironically those are the people that don't want much development over there it doesn't take a rocket science to know what people in east austin want they right. don't want this density dave sullivan you know, I just can't resist this. Olivia, it's only the first draft. <laughs> well, no, listen, I agree that we did not do enough outreach. However, we did try to do outreach. We have 10 council districts. We had the council members all appointed one member, and then we had mem the subcommittees of the council also appointed people. So that we did have somebody from District 1, District 3, District 2, all had... Uh, positions on the Code Next advisory group and had were supposed to go out and talk to people. Now, if that didn't happen, I'm sorry. I mean, we could have done more, but we did have our meetings held at the at the Carver Center at the LBJ School. Um, I went to several meetings. I went up to meet two meetings up in Runberg. Um, so other members also went to meetings. We so did the damage try is done. to do outreach. So the damage is done, and now, and we have. Many opportunities over the next months. Let's remember that all of the problems that we're talking about right now in terms of traffic, flooding, homelessness, mm -hmm. joblessness are all occurring under our current land, uh, land development code. And you don't think this is going to increase when we put, you know, code next type rules in, in place? Well, when we see the second draft, Michael Cargill, we'll have an opportunity to say, <laughs> hey, this second draft, hey, it's worse than the first draft. Let's put the skids and on now. If that is the finding. Yeah. What is our time frame for the steps through Code Next so our viewers can know that? What's going to happen? What can they do? When is their opportunity to speak out? Well, let me just uh, add, tag on to the, the, the point about uh, outreach and, you know, the Zoning and Planning Commission, you know, we're, we're also reviewing the code and we recommended that the process be slowed down so that there could be more time for public input. So, you know, I think uh, the commission is trying to look out for uh, the citizens and make sure that they're that they're all involved and all the voices are heard. I think that's really critical to moving forward. I agree with you. I just I I don't think the commissions know because I as a citizen should not have pointed out the obvious that AISD schools are closing in East Austin and Code Next did not factor that in into the first draft. Right, right. I agree with you. And, and keep in mind, I don't get paid by the city. Right, right. I didn't even graduate from college, yes. but I had to make a map. Right, and, you know, now. and you know, we're volunteers on the commission. We don't get paid either, and so, and we're, but we're, we're definitely, you know. And I know that you are yeah. actually doing uh, a lot of outreach because I've seen you at some Eastside meetings and stuff. But I mean, again, I, I you're talking about doing outreach for a, a city that has historically not done outreach on the Eastside. Yes. Yes. So how are we gonna? 
fix that. I'm not worried. Right now, I'm not even worried about the second draft. I'm worried about we need to stop, reset, and make sure the city does outreach on the east side not through their district council not through that because i'll tell you one thing right now more people know michael cargill in district one than they do or houston and that is the problem no offense michael but people should not know citizens versus their council members That just goes to show that citizens don't understand the level of impact they can have by using their voices, by going to these meetings, by attending things. And that LBJ meeting that Dave was talking about only had 30 people in attendance. Not one person that I've met that went to that meeting thought they had a choice about anything. And that's exactly how they feel in my neighborhood. So, like, I keep going back to my What's your neighborhood? Yeah, so... Guy Limon Airport and Balm area, so right. southeast Austin, about a uh, you know two blocks away from Johnson. Well, what so used like to be Johnson High School, yeah, what yeah. used to be Johnson High School, but is now Eastside Memorial. Um, I mean, I really don't have much to talk on the subject except for my personal experience and what I've seen, what I've seen now. So I was born and raised you know, here, and uh, what used to be a primarily Hispanic neighborhood has now transformed into a primarily Hispanic and white neighborhood. Um, and these houses that have been torn down from the foundation or, or from the roof down to the foundation have been rebuilt with two or three homes on what used to be one house with substantial land. Uh, nobody likes it. I'm just going to tell you, nobody in the neighborhood likes it. Um, but because, we, don't, we don't mind the people, right? The right. people is not the issue. It's the it's development. The housing, it's the, right, development. the development. And that has been proven that is a Eurocentric idea, and it's never worked for the Latino population. It's never worked for African-American population because it simulates incarceration. It simulates prison systems, and it does not work. We are a tribal people. We need yards. We need yep. land. We need our families to live with us. We don't need strangers to live right behind us. We've got big families. We've got big <laughs> families. And you're lucky if you marry into one of our families. And so the problem is this is a Eurocentric way of thinking. And it's forcing us to act out in ways that we can't even recognize as a family, as a people, as a unit, as a tribe. We can't. We act out in other ways by drinking. We act out in other ways by reckless behavior. Our children cannot get a hold in any of it because they don't have a yard to play in. And Habitat for Humanity does want to do the four four by four, the four houses on one lot. And it's not going to work. And I've said it at meetings. That is a Eurocentric idea. White people like to live up. We are used to living in teepees and tents and circles and dirt and earth. That is what our nature is intended for. That is how we were raised. That is how I was born. That is ingrained in our DNA. And by the way, I'd like to point out that he is a Marine. And the military, the military base in Austin, the mil- not base, the actual military group, uh, people are just not informed. And everybody should have the same rights as West and Central Austin did when it came to Code Next. We're talking about Code Next. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows, keep up with the latest breaking news, and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. 
catch up on the latest headlines anytime at talk1370.com. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. I tell you, you know, let's go to Charlottesville, Virginia, and let's talk about that a little bit. Because I really think we need some love in this world. Uh, I love you. I, you know what? And I love you, too. You know, I think we should make a baby together. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's the problem. We need to, yeah, maybe we need to be a little, uh, a little nicer to each other. Maybe things are getting too far, you know, uh, to that point where, you know, we can't agree to disagree. You know, we should be able to have a conversation and totally disagree with each other and just walk away. So let me go to uh, my Marine and say, you know, what's, what's your take on Charlottesville, Virginia? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'd, I'd like to uh, thank all the responsible citizens for exercising their First Amendment rights and, uh, you know, the freedom of speech and, uh, you know, the, the ability to assemble and protest. Uh, but what, what I don't agree with is, is how they protest. Mm. Um, you know, as a Marine, I believe that I fought um, and went to war to preserve the rights of every, every Marine. Uh, I mean, every Marine, sorry. Every person. Um, but I actually don't like how they're doing it, I guess is the best way to say it. I mean, uh, violence is never a good thing when, when it comes to protesting, and violence only begets more violence. Um, as you said, they need a spanking. I don't, I mean. And, 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 and honestly, law enforcement, I, I, and I know I'm going to get blowback from this, but at some point, people need to start doing their jobs here because I look at these little protests that they have here in Austin with Antifa, and I'm looking at the fact that they they have bats, they have clubs. I've even seen a mace, I think, downtown Austin, and not one time have I seen anyone actually arrested for having illegal, these illegal weapons. I have a mace. Watch out. And I'm not talking about pepper spray. I'm talking a mace, a stick with the ball in with, like, little, little things <laughs> pouring out of it. So, you know, these are things that I see at these little protests, mm-hmm. and they're not calling them out on it. They should be charged with unlawfully carrying a weapon. That's Ooh. illegal. Ooh, and I and you watch these videos. Mm. Look at these videos, and you see what's happening. You know, at these protests. Mm. My God, these people. It never should have gotten to that point. Somebody, somebody should have been arrested and sent to jail. So, who are we talking about? The protesters or the counter protesters? Because they were both out there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't whoever's matter. Ca- whoever's carrying an illegal think- weapon. That's the bottom line. They need to prosecute them. I don't care who you are. I don't care what side you're on. You're breaking the law. You're breaking the law. Are you counting an automobile as an illegal weapon right now? I'm talking clubs. I'm talking bats. I'm Uh talking. That's what I'm talking about. So I think, you know, it looks like historically uh, the people that have rolling meat lockered these protests, and that is an actual phrase. I mean, as a Marine, you may have heard that. But um, it's like white men driving cars through parades. So I think we should put restrictions on white men driving around protests and parades. Like, they really need to just, they need to be fined. I mean, I'm a little bit scared right now. Well, how many how many videos, and I, have, and I, have, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but how many videos have you seen where you have protesters surround a car and the people inside the car fear for their lives? What are they supposed to do? I actually drove through a PETA protest because my son, a lot of people know this story, because my son was in the ER and I And left even though this one here was not that case. Correct. That this wasn't was that not case. That, was not that case, correct. That was not that case. And and I warned the protesters to get out of the way. I was on the way to ER. And luckily, there was a police officer there who helped me. And all, three people got arrested, and I was escorted to the to the hospital. And, I, I mean, I, it was a frantic situation. And I think I didn't know there was a protest going on. It was about the circus. And um, I was just trying to get to the ER, and so, again, I mean, 
I'm not completely against protesting, but people need to understand that that's dumping back into the fascist system that they're trying to, to stop. And police always have to be out when there's a protest. That's the law. They have to defend protesters no matter what. And see, I don't, I don't understand this thing of not allowing people to you know, exercise their right to their First Amendment. You know, I, I don't know what this, this thing is that's going around the country with telling people you don't have a right to speak. You don't have a right to talk. I don't, where, I don't know where that's coming from. But that also needs to stop. Feelings. We need to be able to have intellectual discourse again. Yes. People need to be able to talk yes, and work things yes. out and walk away if you disagree. If you disagree, you disagree. I mean, Mike and You're... I disagree all the time. All the time. All the time. But we still want to make babies. So, I mean, I've just... only gotten slapped maybe once. Still but... want to make babies. I mean, I, 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 I think people just... Maybe it's technology. Maybe we're used to our cell phones and, like, Facebook attacking each other, and we're not used to sitting. People are always shocked. Like, this is how I really am in person. I'm the exact same way in person as I am on Facebook, and I don't hide from that. Like, people know I don't hide from that, and I think maybe it's because I'm older. I don't know that the younger generation, they just want to hide and pretend, and then they get out in an environment that's leaning towards instigation and they don't know how to handle themselves because their parents didn't raise them right. I mean, I still knock the, my son's head off if he side-eyes anyone, and anybody in the East Side has seen me do it, and he's going to be 16 years old. And so I agree with Mike. Like, your parents didn't raise you right. I'm not going to send my son to college to protest anything. He needs to protest making sure he's getting A's and B's because he's Latino, not because of anything else. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Speaking of college protests, there is... No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they have announced that they will be a, having a alt-right group on uh, 9-11 at Texas A&M wow. for the same thing. And uh, the, uh, the so A&M student body... So on September 11th. September 11th. Mm. And the student body has organized 11th. a counter-protest against this. Well, let's let's go back to Charlottesville where we're talking about... Does anyone even know what the original uh, protest was for? Why they were protesting? The Unite removal the right. of a Confederate Re- building or a statue. Statue, right? Statues. Removal of Confederate yeah. statue. Well, I was into this heated debate uh, with a friend of mine on Facebook about why I believe the statue should stay. Right. Um, it's history. It's hi- Exactly. It's, it's history. history. It's history. And, and it's Just anything- because you don't like something doesn't mean we need to go... We need to get into this mindset of erasing history. If anything, we can learn from it so we don't repeat the same exactly. mistakes. Exactly. And and I'm actually working on a little bit of a project here with the city of Austin and and our historical markers. The, I think the problem is the trigger with Confederate statues and Confederate markers is especially with Mexican people and African American. Where are our statues? Where are our markers? Where are the things that that identify us? How about for every Confederate statue, we get a Latino statue, we get a black statue. How about for every statue that annihilated? Our, our cultural heritage, we get two or three to replace it. Or why don't we just raise them up next to each other, have historical sites, show people the history on all sides. Yes. Exactly. And you know why? Yes. Because we don't have enough Latino and black historians. That's why. Because white people are putting their history version in our history books that are teaching our kids. We need more Latino historians. We need more black historians. We need to have this be something that we talk about for college kids. You know, some would say that, I mean, that's the case when you win a war. When you win a battle, the, the history, whatever goes in history books is, is the side of the winner, you mm. know? So there, there you go. That's the, that's the counter to your argument. Uh, they're just playing devil's advocate. But, you know... Um, well, it also, what, it depends on what you're trying to win. Exactly. I mean, you know, if we're Mexican and we're going to war, I mean, I think the less casualties would be a win. So then the question begs, what have we really won as Hispanics? We haven't. Exactly. We've, so. we've won stories that we have to try to not repeat. 
I have, which, a, I, have a, I have a I have a friend uh, on Facebook Live asking, are there no statues of Martin Luther King Jr.? I'm not sure what you're trying to get at, Aaron, but uh, there are statues. There's a statue of Martin Luther King at the University of of Texas, and I don't think we should remove that statue, nor should we remove any other statue at University agreed, of Texas yes. or Texas State or anywhere else. I, yeah, because I, that's all part of history. I mean, I also see statues as art, right? Like statues are art, but they're representative, like. Are we are we hiring the right people to do the statues and are we putting the statues in the right place? And and I'm not saying like we shouldn't listen to people like, oh, my feelings. I do believe that maybe it does upset people, but use that as a teaching moment. Like Ryan said, like, let's talk about our history, but let's remember the history that we have that was watered down in our educational paths in junior high and high school is really not once you get out of high school you start to learn about real history and you know i i go to the austin history center now two or three times a week and i don't see anybody there well the problem is you have these liberal uh in professors that are indoctrinating these right. kids and they're pushing them down the wrong path that's just me Dave it's called Sullivan. the banking method of education. <laughs> Why are you looking at Dave? I know. He's like, hey, I'm here for code next. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to talk so about that. So the banking that. method of education is whatever your teacher learns and feels is right when you go to college, even in, it's it's been documented at even elementary, junior high, and high school level, that's what you're going to learn. So it could be just all propaganda. I remember my history teacher talking about how he thought, and my history teacher in high school thought, the United States should still be segregated. Mm. I mean, he said it into a room of black students and, and and me, and I was like, wait, what? And I got suspended for questioning him. Well, actually, at the time, you, you know, there are a lot of people in the black community that feel that that's true as well. That you, you know, you but should is that be- something teachers should be allowed to use their opinions about history? Or are we making teachers learn all aspects of history? Mm. I don't know very many teachers that know that Peace Park was named after Elijah Peace, who was a slave master. Everybody says, well, he's a two-term governor in Texas. He was also one of the most brutal slave masters in Texas. He industrialized urban slavery. Yet we have Eeyore's birthday party at Peace Park. (laughs) Mm. I'm confused. And there's an elementary school named after him. So until that changes... Until we start, we have like a Salvador Dali elementary school or we have, you know, there are other, by the way, minority leaders besides MLK and Cesar Chavez. So we need to start digging deep and understand where those people got their ideas from and how they became activists and how they became leaders. And that's what we need to start creating our own buildings, our own monuments and start forcing the city to hold itself accountable. You start small with the city and then you go out to the state. Hmm. Somebody said that, okay, you need to make Olivia your permanent co-host on the show. What'd I say? Because she has a great <laughs> voice and personality. You guys have good chemistry. I uh, love you. Just wait until we make that <laughs> baby. Yo. You're going to learn today. You're going to learn. <laughs> That's going to be a whole nother show. Yeah, Mike gonna, and Olivia after you're gonna dark. You're going to learn today. going to make some good baby. Okay, now moving on. <laughs> next. Try to get Speaking me in of trouble. code next. Right. Speaking of code next. Let's, Speaking right, let's, of segregation. So let me, uh, let's go back to code next a little bit. Um, let me bring David King into the conversation here. Uh, David King to talk a little bit more about, you know, his idea of what code next should be. Yes. Um, well, you know, uh, Dave mentioned earlier that we're having issues right now under the current code and, you know, like displacement and, um, especially in our East Austin neighborhoods that's occurring right now. And so I think that's, uh, you know, and we were talking earlier about maybe we we, you know, we should pause the process and allow input from East Austin and be more deliberate in getting that input. And so while we're pausing it, I think we should be looking at how what we can do right now to help stop that, to slow the displacement down. 
because we are losing our, our, our culture and our history and our families and our neighborhoods, uh, long-time residents in our, in our neighborhoods here. So, you know, I think some of the things we could be doing right now would be to directly help those low-income families that are on the verge of being displaced right now with direct assistance for paying their mortgage, paying their uh, rent, uh, paying for repairs for their homes, things like that. Be more deliberate in that. And the other things that we should be doing is looking at helping them to protect them from the development pressures. Other cities have done that. They have downzoned in some areas to help push back on develop development pressures to help preserve the neighborhood from being overrun by new development. And and things like a demolition uh, or uh, uh, more time on, de on demolitions for a certain period of time. So I think we need to be looking at strategies like that. And the mayor's task force on institutional racism and has come up with some recommendations. One of those is to look at historic districts, complete the survey of East Austin uh, to find out where the historic buildings are, and then place historic districts there to help also protect those homes and those neighborhoods. So I think we need there are things we can do right now. Now, in terms of Code Next going forward, one of the concerns I have about one of the strategies in Code Next is to uh, really incentivize the building of more multifamily apartments. It seems like that's the main focus for developing housing for our city going forward with the density bonus, bonus program on steroids in the new <coughs> in the new code. So that, that really worries me because what that's basically saying is, you know, if you're a low-income family and you want to live in Austin, your option is really an apartment. And yet we see that many of the displaced families and people are currently being displaced from homes, not apartments. Yes, some are being displaced from apartments, but many of them are displaced from homes. And surveys that I've seen from the real estate industry consistently say that most families prefer to live in single-family homes. They'd love to have that little yard. So I'm worried about a policy that's going to be embedded in Code Next for decades that's focused on multifamily housing and not really helping out with single-family housing. And I tell you, Dave King is on to something there because a lot of people mm. are actually getting evicted from apartments. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Get breaking news, exclusive contests, and more delivered right to your inbox. I like knowing things. Join the Right Choice Club at Talk1370.com and you'll be in the know. Just go to Talk1370.com and click on the Right Choice Club from Talk 1370. The Right Choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we need to go way back. Let's go back to the way Austin used to be. I remember, you know, we had a lot of different pools, you know, swimming pools we could swim in and things of that nature. Now the swimming pools are closing down, Olivia. Mm. Why are the pools closing down in Austin? You mean, well, here, Michael, let me give you a little bit of educational East Austin history. The pools in East Austin have been shut down off and on for like 20 years. Now, the number one race that dies from drowning mm. are black people what black people drown all the time so the east austin ymca started really aggressively teaching for free swimming classes except for then now the pools are closed mm. they've been Maybe closed. They're closing them because they're all drowning <laughs> i can't anyway <laughs> get him get him and 
so, and so some of the pools had like a few cracks in them. Okay, yeah. And sometimes they were saying, well, the pools are being underused. Well, they're underused because they're closed. I mean, that's you can't one thing for the other. But the but the problem is now the NIMBYs and my friend Stephanie. What Day is a talk, NIMBY? I've heard about that a lot. NIMBYs. What's a NIMBY? <laughs> Not in my backyard. That's what a lot of people say. And so I didn't know we what the thing. Code Next is fine. Code Next is fine. Not, not in my backyard. backyard. NIMBY. And so I was just recently at the Boulding Creek Neighborhood Association meeting with the mayor. And um, these people, these NIMBYs, were talking about they were so consumed with the fact that their pools might be closed. Keep in mind, they live less than a mile away from Barton Springs. Mm. I don't care if your pool's closed, Boulding Creek. I don't care because you live by Barton Springs. Go swim in Barton Springs. Use the bus to get there and pay for parking there because I've only met one minority child in 26 years who frequently went to Barton Springs. What's funny is the people in Boulding Springs in Bolden, they want sidewalks and stuff like that. They want sidewalks and parking. But and what the, did the mayor say? The mayor said, y'all just going to have to get used to it because this is a high demand area. He said, get, well, you know he what? Said, get over it. Get over it because code next is coming. Conex is coming for Boulding Creek. And the reason why Conex is coming for Boulding Creek is because Allendale and Hyde Park was like, uh-uh, you ain't... They nimbied. They so guess nimbied. What? So you liberals that are living in East Austin or wherever, Bolden, West Austin, whatever, and you're upset about this density, you don't want this density coming to your neighborhood. You don't want this Conex style of zoning coming to your area. The mayor said, you know what? Get over it because you're going to get it anyway. And you know what? You put him in office. Now he's doing what he wants to That's do. That's right. So deal That's with right. it. That's right. So uh, let's. Uh, someone has a question here. So someone says, uh, good discussion. What about the streets and parking in Bolden? We don't have many sidewalks, so pedestrians, dogs, bicycles, and cars are all in the street. If cars are parked on both sides, they become dangerous and sometimes impassable. How will Code Next impact parking, bicycles, walkability, and traffic? Well, it's going to impact it by not letting minorities live there. Dave Sullivan. Oh. Well, <laughs> Again, I, I'm going to have to point out that the research in urban planning shows that when cars are parked on both sides of the street and motorists have to drive slower, there are fewer accidents. Now, in an ideal situation, you would have sidewalks in there also. Part of what happened is uh, city planners probably thought that after uh, in the middle of the last century, well, everybody's going to drive everywhere they go. And so we stopped building sidewalks after a certain point. But then we started, we added that requirement back in, and I, I can't tell you if it was in the 80s or whatnot. Uh, so new, new developments all have to have sidewalks on both sides of the street. It's the older parts of town. But to build sidewalks costs money. When I was on the planning commission uh, several years back, we created a requirement that if you add on to your house a certain amount, uh, there was a threshold. If you pass that threshold, then you had to pay for a sidewalk either in front of your house or into a fund that would put a sidewalk someplace else in your neighborhood, like maybe going closer to a school. So the city is trying to raise money for sidewalks, but they don't come free. I'll tell you what, the mayor says resistance is futile, so uh, the Borg is here to stay. You will be assimilated. You will be assimilated. Uh, yeah, this is uh, David King, and you know, I want to repeat that uh, although I'm on the plant, uh, Zoning and Planning Commission, I am not speaking for that commission. My These are my views only. But, you know, in terms of Code Next, it is calling out for a reduction in parking requirements for, you know, uh, new development, redevelopment, and, and commercial businesses. And, 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 you know, Seattle also did that. They've been down this road. They're ahead of us. 
And they're seeing that that reduction in parking is causing some serious problems, and they're starting to rethink those reductions. So I think we have to be careful, and that's one of the messages I have for Code Next. These broad-based policies of transect districts and in, in the, all throughout the urban core, these parking reductions throughout the urban core, we need to be careful about these policies, and we should try them in small areas and see how they work out. So if they don't work out, we, we, we can make changes to them and, and make it better going forward. And, you know, uh, I do want to talk about a little bit about um, the uh, back to uh, you mentioned AISD in schools earlier. Yes. And one of the things, and this came from the Code Advisory Group, Dave's uh, group that he, were, he was on, and they did really good research here. And there was some research that was done that showed that the multifamily projects that were developed under the current code in the city, uh, they only provided, uh, only 46 AISD students were found to be living in those multifamily apartments. So what we're saying, what we're seeing is that the strategy of having multifamily apartments in the, in the urban core to that is a way to bring families with children back in that can go to our schools, it's not working. And so mm. that's a big concern. And that's why I'm concerned about this, uh, these density bonus programs that are focused on high multifamily apartments that are really not for families. They're really for, you know, new, new folks coming in. And I'm concerned about that. So uh, we do, we're seeing that we're losing, that we're losing, uh, you know, students in our, in our urban schools. And I think that's, that, that policy uh, code next should be informed by that issue and, and, and uh, have policies that deal with that. Right. So um, David King and I have discussed this um, outside of this uh, meeting. No surprise about that. Um, With the density bonuses, the new plan for density bonuses is to collect uh, money. It's called fee in lieu when you have a commercial building that's going to be larger than it would ordinarily uh, be allowed to be. So you're not going to have families live in a commercial building, obviously. But when we take that money, we could pool it and perhaps build single-family housing. So if we have the fee in lieu for density bonuses, uh, then we can use that cash to build family-friendly housing. Okay, I'm really uncomfortable with the we should try and perhaps. East Austin is not a social experiment, and I'm tired of city planners. I'm tired of the city council. I'm tired of people pretending like it is. It's not. Nothing the city has done for East Austin has worked. Period. It is not a social experiment. We shouldn't try it in a small dose to see what it happens. That's not working. We need to understand what we are talking about. We are talking about people, not science projects. Let them do it voluntarily. So let me just uh, just clarify a little bit my point earlier about the 46 uh, AISD district students. There were the the full data on that is there were 6,895 multifamily units that were built through the density uh, through in the urban core there and up uh, only 216 of those units were affordable for families making less than 80 percent mfi and only 46 students in those multifamily uh, uh developments actually went to aisd i just wanted to clarify that and get that full data on well that. that would make sense because um actually you know with the the school's going to be gone in east austin there's what, what do we it was like four schools that we're pretty certain are going to be eradicated it's just obvious that code next didn't take into consideration the existing families that were there and they're not taking into consideration renters and even when we talk about affordability and things like that we're still talking about children we are talking about children east austin is losing children because once your child doesn't go to school you have no reason to stay there 
And until we start developing in West Austin, like Clarksville, and still until Cassis got a thirty-five million dollar, they will get thirty-five millions. One school in West Austin is getting thirty-five million dollars, and we are not talking about busing west to east. We are the only city in Texas that does not consider busing west to east to save money and build East Austin schools back up. Why is that, Dave Sullivan? Yeah, I don't want to mention. I don't want. I'm not. I wasn't raising he, my hand to talk about the school don't he issue. And ha, but just I will answer the question, say, sir. Don't he and ha. I will say that it is outrageous, absolutely outrageous, if the school district is only planning to close schools in Central East Austin. Yes. I, I I cannot believe that that's going to happen. I've got a. But you saw the data. I've I've seen. I've read the news stories. Um, I went, did go to one event uh, to hear more about one. it at the Mets Rec Center. Um, I've talked to friends about it now, and it, it is outrageous that that's on the that's what's happening. But with regard it's not to outrageous, with regard to what we're trying to it's do with out, it's racist, not outrageous. It's racist. Just call it what it is. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be considered outrageous. You know what? It's outrageous the thought that West Austinites might have to bust their children to East Austin schools. That's why this is happening. We're the only city that doesn't do that. We're the only city that doesn't promote that. Right. Well, That's outrageous. <laughs> Olivia, I can't I can't disagree with you about this. But the point is that in order to help get more families into the city, we have to create more housing. Mansplaining. I'm waiting to hear what the, he's mansplaining. I am not, Oh my god, that's the worst thing you could accuse me of, Michael. Oh, he's gonna snap. He's gonna snap. He's I'm mansplaining. Just, I'm I'm just not mansplaining. I'm privileged, white privileged, over six what? foot tall mansplaining. Sure, I, right. sure, I didn't use those words. Right. No, the, but the point is though that we need to create more family friendly housing within the city. I'm looking for people like David King to come up with a plan to do that. Mm. How are we going to get more family-friendly housing within the city? Where would those family-friendly units be to repopulate under uh, under-enrolled schools? Well, you know, I mentioned a couple of things that earlier that I that I said that let's stop displacement right now of families that currently live in single-family homes. Let's let's take those policies, but those are politically difficult policies for the council to implement. They they will get strong pushback from some property owners that just don't want to be down zone or don't want to have uh, uh, demolitions, you know, prohibited for a certain time. Um, and developers, certainly. So uh, those are politically difficult things. But, you know, one of the ideas, you know, I was checking into the the affordable, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, in- inclusionary zoning laws in Texas. And, uh, you know, of course, the legislature, we, you know, we're, we're looking at this in the context of where we live, the legislature, and they're taking away tools one of the tools that they took away that other cities have that, that, that can really generate some good money and ha- be more equitable in how it generates that money, it's called a linkage fee. Other cities, Seattle, Denver, other cities have those fees. And what that is, it's based on new development that comes in. And, and so the new development pays into that uh, affordable housing fund. And if we had had that fund in place in Austin last year, which the council started looking at, but if we'd had it, we could have generated about sixty million dollars in, in mm. one year. That could—that's real money that we could then use to really go out and and help buy some single-family homes, really for families, or provide more money to help directly help those families that are on the verge right now stay in their homes. So that's why I say a strategy is let's let's try to inhibit the displacement and help people stay in their homes. Now, another thing that we could do is 
uh, I propose that we that for any upzoning that the city approves, that part of that be that you have to contribute to the affordable housing fund. If mm. you want the upzoning, you got to contribute. And then the other thing is that, as I understand from somebody who really is an expert on on the inclusionary zoning, Texas does not does not prohibit inclusionary zoning for rental units. We could still say if you're going to build, as I understand, if you're going to build a multifamily rental apartment complex, that you, the city could require them to pay into the affordable housing fund to contribute to. That's my understanding. So I think that needs to be, you know, vetted. But but there are, there are things that we can, so I'm saying that we have to go direct. If we're going to stop that, because the market is a force that the city just cannot really stop. It, it cannot really materially influence what's going to happen there. We're at the mercy of really high-income families that can afford to come here and live wherever they want to. They want to live in the, the central Austin neighborhoods, and they're bidding they're outbidding the folks, those of us who have been here. And that's a fundamental market force that is very hard to, to fight against. And so I, I think with, given where we are right now, we're limited in the tools, but we should apply those tools. And that's why I say we should be willing to, to, to prohibit demolitions in certain areas. We should be willing to create historic zones where they, where they comply, you know, comply with the historic zoning requirements. And uh, we should be direct in helping families stay in place now. All right, and this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is State Representative Jonathan Stickland, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Texas weather can change on a dime. Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly. When the weather turns severe, turn to us for what you need to know. On air and online at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about code next. So let me ask uh, Dave Sullivan, you know, when this new code, however we think maybe sort of kind of, it's going to go in, you know, into place because it's only in its first draft. Um, is this a possibility of us having more gun stores? Can I, can I build an indoor gun range in the city mm. limits? Ham, ha, kinda. Hmm. Michael, the idea about form-based code that came up earlier says that it's more important about the height of the building, the setback, the landscaping, the impervious cover, than what goes on inside the building. Part of that is to free up for the property owner or the renter what kind of activities they have inside the building, not be so prescriptive about the actual uses. All right, so then I'll be able to bring a gun show. It's more likely that you would be able to do the type of business that you're interested in. So we'll be able to do a gun show? I cannot promise it. I'm definite about that. Because right now, the range in Austin... The overall theme is to make it more... make make Give you more choices about what you do inside your building. Okay, because currently right now, the range in Austin, their parking lot is in the city limits, but the building is not. And that's why they're able to build... Uh, an indoor gun range. Right, so will I be able to build? I want to be able to shoot inside my building where I am now. Can it, I do that on the 
I, I don't know, Michael, because that's getting into a very specific thing. There are hundreds of types of uses, and it's impossible for anybody to memorize what all, the, all of those uses because are. I, I but know what I would the encourage you to do and your listeners to do mm-hmm. is to comment on the next draft when it comes out. Because there will be an opportunity for well, you to Well, you do know in. that I try to comment, but they don't want to hear from me. They, I was true. very I specific it. in what I said. You and your listeners. Have you tried to Okay, oh, So let them say something, but I'm not allowed to. I would. Okay, I, I got you. I said, <laughs> you and your listeners, if you study logic, that means that it does include you. From the University of Texas. Exactly. <laughs> University of Texas. Yes, I just wanted to clarify that I mentioned a linkage fee a while ago and earlier in the... Uh, I just wanted to you know, let you know that uh, the legislature, as soon as they heard Austin was thinking about that, they they passed a law to prohibit it. So they're they're not helping Austin with our affordability, our housing issues here. Uh, they're basically saying, leave it to the market, get out of the way of the market. It'll solve all of our problems. And 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 uh, as long as the market don't mess with my guns, we good. <laughs> we good. Well, I think the market is causing a lot of you know contributing to the, a lot of our affordable housing issues that we have right now. I know a lot of people are concerned because uh, you have uh, these property owners that, well, these people that are moving in from other states are buying property and they're, you know, putting these apartments on the property or leasing uh, these leasing properties and they're actually putting in the contracts no firearms allowed. Mm. And they're doing that now. So we're afraid this is going to happen a little more when Code Next goes into effect. Is that not their right as a private property owner? It is. I actually, I have not heard that Shut discussed, up, Michael, but again, right it's, an, it's an opportunity now <laughs> for you and your listeners to weigh in and comment on that and oh, say that you God. want to have your constitutional freedoms protected with new development. So basically what I need to do is start doing a little more open carry walks oh, and maybe that'll send them back to California. We're coming for you, Clarksville. So we need to, do open, so we need to do an open carry march in, in Clarksville. Is that what we need oh. to do? Right. But with regard to the comments about people moving here and buying property and whatnot, a large part of our growth comes from persons who are born here. Mm. When I talk about new housing in Austin, I'm not talking about people from California coming here with rich pocketbooks. I'm thinking about my daughter and her her friends and colleagues here in Austin who were born here and grew up here. And that's what that's part of that's my major concern is housing for young people. What I think, Dave, is what I think you should do is clear out some of the stuff that you have inside your house and allow. I, I would love to move into one of your rooms in your house. We could share a bed, though. Mike and let's do some that. density in your, on your street. Let's do some density, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I like to do. Can, 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 can I rent a room in your house and and let's this and, and stay there for? Because you're, you're we're armed. Because you're a little closer to where I work, so I would love to rent a you know some space in, into your home. Mm. And they have their own grocery store, by the way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice grocery store. So can we do that? This Michael, is what we're talking. Yeah, I'd go next, baby. I that would, I can't imagine anything he and cooler Han, than having lip, you. I'm hearing some there, lipping and lapping, slipping, slapping, jigging, and jabbing now. Come on in. Okay. Yeah. And his wife is awesome, by the way. So. Okay. I just want to make sure. We come in Clarksville, and like Dave said, all of this talk is really for younger people, which excludes your grandmother. Right. That's the problem. We're talking about including more opportunities for younger white people, and not. The elderly minority populace. That's what nobody cares. Nobody cares if my great aunt, your grandmother, nobody cares. What, what I see that, here, that I is, is, you just said, you just said, I'm thinking about my new daughter. housing, new housing, <laughs> Olivia, for young people. As David King pointed out, people who are here today allow them to stay in their current homes. 
Does everybody want their children to move back in with them? We're Mexican. That's what we do. That's what we do. We are Mexican. We don't mind, but we're not going to, we shouldn't have to do it if there's enough houses to rent, if there's enough places to rent. Not everybody wants to own a home, single family or multi. We just don't all want to do it. We do, we need to make sure. Now, there's some property that's in North Austin on the east side, some oh. abandoned apartments that have been there for a very long time, for over a year. I want to say two years. And sure no one's is. messing with that property. It's across the street from Gold's Gym. Um, I don't think Gold's Gym is Is it foreclosed? Anymore. Yeah, it's still Gold's Gym. I it's over there. Y'all should just move in. But that, that, we're we're going to start squatting. Yeah. squatting. But, no, but no, one's, no one's doing anything with that. You know, there's, there are properties here. There are buildings yep. here that need to be renovated that are for sale. For sale. You know, what about those? And trying to, you know, the mayor should use his, his influence to, you know, to get people to right. go to those areas. Well, part of the problem is that when you have abandoned property, in many cases, they go into the hands of, a, of an international company or holding company that is, is not local. And then that's just a small part of their, uh, their total, total holdings. Uh, it is very frustrating to see property that could be put to housing use sit vacant like that. But again, it's because of this thing that we call capitalism that's very popular here in this country. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And we got about a minute and a half. So let me give it to Dave King uh, to say what he got to say in closing. Yes. And, you know, one, one other thing I think about Code Next to consider is that um, the rules are also kind of changing to tilt more towards what's called by right development. So that, that means that uh, there will be less opportunity for you know, for neighbors to chime in on zoning changes in the neighborhood. And and I'm boiling it down, but that's essentially what's happening here. So you, that's something else you need to look at. And with, with the changes that are occurring, the, the gentrification, displacement, I think that's that's worrisome uh, in those neighborhoods where we're seeing so much change. If, you're, if you then now, under the new code, have less rights to be involved or to protest or to oppose a particular zoning change, then uh, the change is going to happen faster and i'm concerned about that uh, so uh and the the uh other thing that i'm concerned about is the the uh, uh the, the buy right but the administrative approvals too so more things are going to be approved administratively again so and, and with and, and you won't be notified because it's just up to the director of the department the the planning zoning department or the development services department to make a decision uh, right there on the spot to basically allow up to a 10% variance from from a, a, a building a, a construction plan. So uh, that that's kind of worrisome too. So we need to watch out for that. All right, go ahead, Stephanie. Uh, I just wanted to address the question I think Brian asked earlier about like what the process is moving forward. The second draft of the code is going to be coming out on September 15th. And thank then, you, Stephanie. And then there will be public input in December at the commissions. I want to thank everyone for coming public on the show. Input. I want to thank you guys for sitting in the studio today. I really appreciate that. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talking with Michael Cargill. Take talk with you anywhere. On your computer or smartphone, log on to Talk1370.com. What a beautiful, beautiful sight. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the right choice. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 